Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our scripture is taken from Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38, which say, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Today is one of the greatest times, I believe, where the Lord is bringing in his last harvest. Around the world, we see many, many people coming to Christ. We see many Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus coming to Christ. The Lord's doing a great work, but the laborers are few. Please pray that God will send out missionaries, will send out people to go overseas to share the good news of the gospel. Harry Blackaby, in his book entitled Experiencing God, says you ought to go where the Lord is blessing. Right now, the Lord is really blessing overseas, and many people are finding Christ. Let's pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Every form and for surrender. 
This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Mano Paul, who's been a longtime missionary with Global Outreach Mission. Presently lives in, in India, his home country, with his wife Shoba. And they've been on the mission field for many, many years. And they have a, they have one son, his name is Arpin. And today, uh, Mano, I'd like to just talk about your family and talk about Arpin and his spiritual journey. Thank you very much, Brian. Arpan, A-R-P-A-N, means in our language, consecrated. That is the word Hannah used when she was taking Samuel for the first time to the to Shiloh. It is an interesting story, but uh, I want to praise God for his faithfulness uh, in this story. Arpan had come to know he is our only son. Afterwards, we lost two daughters. So Arpan uh, grew from his childhood with some sort of uh, depression in the sense that God was not fair. That was his impression. But he came to know the Lord when he was eight, when Shoba shared the love of Christ with him and he was growing normally that's what we thought but inside he was hurt we did not realize added to that we were so busy with the ministry lot of people coming to our house our house was open home but we did not realize that we were hurting Arpan that we did not give him enough time then we had to go to different mission stations in India that left Arpan without a, a stable friendship also. So we did not realize and he, when he was 17, he came to the U.S. to study in Purdue and that was the time he started drifting away from the Lord. When we came to the U.S., then we realized that he's so far away from the Lord that really hurt our hearts. And we just prayed and we asked our friends in Global Outreach Mission and other friends, they were praying for so many years and we had to leave Belize in 2008 Arpan was just the same. And after I went back to India in 2009, God gave me a clear word that now it is the time for me to go and share God's love with Arpan. And it happened when we were traveling by road. He heard the message in the radio by Dr. David Jeremiah. And then he the word pricked him and he gave his life back to the Lord and he's growing. He took baptism, water baptism. He now attends a beautiful Baptist church in Shreveport, Louisiana, and he's growing in the Lord. I really want to thank God for his faithfulness, for the faithfulness of so many of our friends who prayed for Arpan. This is a testimony of God's faithfulness and goodness, and whatever we have done, the Lord has really repaid so richly. Yeah, I know we all had a great concern for Arpan, and uh, we all prayed together, the global family prayed together, and I know uh, many other your friends did as well. And we're so thankful for this breakthrough and the way that God has led him to be baptized. And now he's walking with the Lord. And what a great story. I know this has to be encouraging to a lot of the people in our listening audience who have uh, children who have not walked faithfully with the Lord over the years. And um, this will be an encouragement to them that as they continue to pray and trust the Lord, that God can work. And I know you were telling me about the incident. You were just driving from place to place and you actually tuned in to Dr. Jeremiah at the end of his sermon, you, you told me it was only the last five minutes of the sermon that Arpin actually heard in the car. And after that, you turned the uh, the radio off. And that's when you noticed that Arpin, something happened in Arpin's life that he became very quiet. And you were able to ask him what affected him. He said that the Lord had really touched his heart at that moment. And I know that had to be a, a great a moment of praise and thanksgiving in your own heart to see your own children follow the Lord. I know I'm so thankful my two boys who have followed the Lord and married uh, good Christian ladies and are one is in Christian work full time. The other one's getting his uh, Bible degree and uh, the Lord has just blessed our family. And it's so wonderful to see your, your, your kids walk with the Lord and, 
and what a blessing it is to to know that our family will always be together. My mom and my dad, and I know they're both Christians, and I'll see them again. And so it's um, it's really wonderful to be a Christian and to have the promises of the Word of God and actually live by those promises and see God work through not only you and your ministry, but also through your children. And what a great blessing that is to 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 be together and be unified in Christ. Man, it's been a real privilege to have you in our studio. I you're such a godly man, and I have uh, the highest regard for you and for Shoba for the way the Lord has used you over the years. And I, I just know that you have many more years to to serve. And I know that he's going to continue to open doors and bless you and use you in a mighty way. I'm so thankful for our friendship. May the Lord bless you. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour and for your prayers and your financial support. This is a listener-supported ministry without your help, we cannot continue to be on the air. You may know, this is the oldest Christian broadcast in North America, it was started back in 1927 and we depend upon the Lord and your gifts. We continue because of your prayer and support. This month we are offering a great booklet titled, When Is It Right to Die? It really has end-of-life questions that are very very important for all of us to think about, trying to determine for ourselves. My wife and I have made living wills and we talked about these issues and of course, it's really important for us, such questions as, to support if you have healthcare directives so that your wishes are carried out in your life. This booklet will really help you make those decisions. One of the topics it covers is called enlightenment. That is, it talks about mercy killing, in the Bible about the end of life challenges and how to try to help overcome them. It also discusses the inexpressible value, of your soul how important it is. The author quotes, Matthew chapter 16 verses 25 and 26 would say, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul a working man given exchange for his soul? Basically, Jesus is saying that a single soul is worth more than all the wealth, and all the world and so it must be treated with the highest respect. So I'm sure that you will benefit from reading this booklet and your loved ones will benefit. You can get your copy by writing to Mission Go, at Box 1210 Street Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7 or the United States of Box 2010 Buffalo, New York, 14231. And please don't forget to pray for this broadcast each day. Thank you so much. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me See on the portals He's waiting and watching Watching for you and for me Come home Come home, ye who are weary, come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come the wonderful love he 
as promised, promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon, pardon for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home, earnestly, tenderly. Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson and is entitled Revival. Printed copies are available upon request. The Africans tell the story of a man who rode a tiger to cross the jungle in a hurry. One day, when he was in a much greater hurry, he stood astride two tigers. But before he had gone far, one tiger went to the right and the other to the left, and he fell off, and the tigers enjoyed him for lunch. To this day, the Africans say, you can't ride two tigers at once. Jesus, of course, reflected this when he said, you cannot serve God and mammon. But many Christians try to serve the world and the word, materialism and the master, sin and the savior. They have a foot in each place and it just doesn't work. You have to decide who is going to be Lord and master of your life and let him be what he is, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to continue today our studies on the subject of revival, a time when Christians are restored to their first love for Christ, when sham and hypocrisy are exposed, bitterness and strife are revealed, and changes are effected in the lives of Christians so that they're brought to allow Jesus to be first and foremost in their life, to be Lord and master of every area of their life, so they don't try to ride two things at once, God and the world. You have to decide who's going to be in charge. Revival is the return to the first love by Christians to their Lord. Revival is preeminently about God bringing glory back to his son by the power of the Holy Spirit through his church. It is utterly Christ-dominated. It is an awakening of Christ in his lordship in the lives of believers that therefore produces such a revival of love and devotion and fervor and uh, desire to win the lost to Christ that the unsaved world notices and also comes under great conviction of sin and turns to the Savior in repentance and faith. Since revival is Christ-centered, we've been considering the words, the questions of Jesus himself that will enable us to search our hearts to see if we need revival, and certainly we do. Our first question was in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 15, who do you say that I am? Are you truly saved? Are you a true believer in Jesus Christ or just one with a secondhand faith, repeating something that someone else told you. When Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You're not just saying something somebody told you to say. My Father revealed it to you from heaven. You have a heart confession. You have truly received me and are trusting me alone as your Savior. The second question had to do with our communion. It's the subject of prayer, because prayer always precedes revival. And in the crisis hour approaching the cross, Jesus had left his disciples, particularly three of them, Peter, James, and John, to watch with him. And as he prayed, 
with agony, even with drops of blood falling from his body. He cried, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will but thine be done. And when he came back, they were asleep. And he asked them this question, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? If your church is a powerful church and making an impact, it's because it's a praying church. If you are an impacting Christian, making a difference for Christ, it's because you're a praying Christian. Prayer will bring revival as we who are God's people humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from any wicked ways in our life. Then he hears from heaven, forgives our sin, and then he heals our land. If we call upon him, he will answer us and show us great and mighty things that we know not of. The third question had to do with our comprehension of who he really is and whether we're growing to know him better. In John chapter 14, verse 9, having said that from now on the disciples would know the Father, for they had seen him, Philip said, Lord, we don't know what you mean. Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus asked this question, Have I been with you such a long time, Philip, and you still don't know me? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. The Jehovah of the old is the Jesus of the New Testament. And he's asking us, do we really know him better? Can we say with the Apostle Paul, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, be made conformable unto his death. We know him through the word of God. Are we studying it? Are we reading it? Are we coming to church regularly? It's the Lord's day. We don't just have one service and do our own thing. We come to study God's word. Do we read it daily? Are we part and parcel of a Bible study group? Do we come to a Sunday school class? Are we growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord? Revival has often been termed re-Bible. Your Bible comes alive. So as Jesus asks these questions, we search our hearts. And then he asked a question in John 21 and verse 15 to Peter. Do you love me more than these, these fish, these boats, these people, this wonderful occupation that you enjoy? Nothing wrong with that. He's just saying, do you love me more? My love for Christ is not dependent on the many things I'm willing to do for him, but by the one thing I'm not willing to do. And Jesus is asking us, do you love me more? Have you left your first love? Then return to it again and let Jesus be everything to you. Be able to say, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin, I resign. As we come to the fifth question today, it's a question that has to do with our consecration. Not only our confession, our communion, our comprehension, and our conviction that we love him most and first and best, but now our consecration. This is one of the most heart-searching questions you will ever find in the Bible, and Jesus asked it. You see, Jesus had been telling his disciples just before going to the cross. He was saying to them, Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. I'm reading from John 13 and verse 37. Peter then said to him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. He's saying, Peter, will you lay down your life for my sake? What a question. And he's asking us that today. Will you lay down your life for my sake? One writer says, I had a professor who used to say in class, make a list of all the things for which you are willing to be shot at five o'clock tomorrow morning. Generally, it will be a very short list, but when you have completed it, you will find in that list the things for which you ought to live, 
things that will produce the ultimate satisfaction in life. For what you're willing to die for are the things that you ought to be living for. What things would you put on your list that you'd be willing to die for? Now think carefully. Would you be willing to die for Christ and his church? Would you be willing to die for your family, maybe your country, or maybe a real close friend? That's probably about as far as most would go. Would you die for your job? No, a job isn't that important. Would you die for a hobby? Of course not. Or a television set? You say, of course not. For a sports event? Certainly not. Yet I know people who are sacrificing their families, their hopes, their dreams, their lives, and their hopes of eternal life for a hobby. I know people, both men and women, who are even now in danger of losing their families eternally because they're placing a job ahead of everything else. I know people who are trading a home in heaven for a TV set right now, and folks, it isn't worth it. I know Christians who have left their first love and who love things more than Jesus, who spend their time in other things, who do not give their money to support the work of God, who are robbing God literally of the tithe, that which is his, because if we believe that everything belongs to him, then we have no trouble giving him at least 10%, the first part of every dollar that God has enabled us to earn. And we live so lavishly here in America, but so many spend it on themselves. Why? Because they need revival. Why are churches struggling financially? Because we need revival. People are living for things. They're spending their money on the things that are passing away. And Jesus said, don't lay up treasures in heaven. Jesus rather said, yes, lay up treasures in heaven. But we think he said it the other way. At least we live like we shouldn't lay up treasures in heaven, and we put all our money in things down here. But Jesus said, if you put your money in things down here, if you live for the things of the world, they'll pass away. Moth and rust will corrupt, and thieves will break through and steal. But if your treasure is in heaven, that's where your heart will be, and nothing will ever be able to take away what you lay up in heaven, because we love him first and best and most. Yes, will you lay down your life for my sake? Jesus asked Peter, and he was so quick to say, Yes, Lord, I will. I'll lay down my life for your sake. I'll follow you no matter what. And Jesus said, You don't understand, Peter. You're trusting in your own strength, and you're going to deny me thrice before the rooster crows. And of course he did. Jesus asks us that question today as we live such easy lives, when across our world today many are literally laying down their lives for Christ. More martyrs in the 20th century, and now we're into the 21st. More martyrs in the 20th century than in all the other centuries combined. And already in the 21st century, many have laid down their lives for Christ as they have been persecuted and put to death because they would not renounce the Lord Jesus Christ. I think today of one who wrote in his diary. His name was David Livingstone. He had gone to Africa, and he had been pleaded with when finally found by, by Stanley to come back to England and report on his work. But he said, I can't come. My work is not done here. And after Stanley left with his party, unable to persuade David Livingstone to come back home, David Livingstone on his knees prayed this prayer and wrote it in his journal, My Jesus, my King, my life, my all. I again dedicate my whole self to thee. Allow me to finish the work you've given me here to do. I literally lay down my life for thee until that work is done. And within a year, David Livingston had finished the work God had given him to do by the grace of God, and they found him dead on his knees by his cot. A man who literally had laid down his life for Jesus 
and the results of which continue on through this day and on into eternity in the multitudes of people who have come to know Christ and others who have dedicated their lives to also go and spread the gospel to every creature, no matter what the cost. I want to close with a very fascinating story that I read. It was in a service when the church pastor slowly stood up and walked over to the pulpit before he gave his sermon for the evening and introduced a guest minister who was in the service that night. In his introduction, the pastor told the congregation the guest minister was one of the dearest childhood friends that he ever wanted, and he asked him to have a few moments to greet the church and share whatever he felt he would. The elderly man stepped up to the pulpit and began to speak. He told this story. A father, his son, and a friend of his son were sailing off the Pacific coast. When a fast-approaching storm blocked any attempt to get back to the shore, the waves were high, and even though the father was an experienced sailor, he could not keep the boat upright, and the three were swept into the ocean as the boat capsized and drifted away. The old man hesitated for a moment, making eye contact with two teenagers who were, for the first time since the service began, looking somewhat interested in his story. The aged minister continued his story, grabbing a rescue line, he said. That father had to make the most excruciating decision of his life, to which the boy, to which boy he would throw the other end of the lifeline. He only had seconds to make the decision. The father knew that his son was a Christian. He had been born again, but he also knew that his son's friend was not yet a Christian. The agony of his decision could not be matched by the torrent of waves. As the father yelled out, I love you, son, he then threw the lifeline to his son's friend who was not saved. And by the time the father had pulled the friend back to the capsized boat, which he was able to recover, his own son had disappeared beneath the raging swells into the black of night, and the body was never recovered. By this time, the two teenagers were sitting straight up in the pew, anxiously waiting for the next words to come out of the old minister's mouth. The father, he continued, knew his son would step into eternity with Jesus, but he could not bear the thought that his son's friend stepping into an eternity without Jesus. Therefore, he sacrificed his son to save the son's friend. How great is the love of God that he should do the same for, our he for us and our heavenly father sacrificed his only begotten son so that we could be saved. I urge you, he said, to accept his offer to rescue you and take hold of the lifeline he is throwing out to you in this service. With that, the old man turned and sat back down in his chair. Silence filled the room. The pastor again walked slowly to the pulpit and delivered a brief sermon with an invitation at the end. However, no one responded. The two teenagers immediately were at the old man's side as the service be, uh, concluded. That was a nice story, politely said one of them but I don't think it was very realistic for a father to give up his only son's life in hopes that the other boy would become a Christian. Well, you've got a point there, the old man replied, glancing down at his worn Bible, a big smile, then broadening his narrow face. He again looked up at the boys and said, it sure isn't very realistic, is it? But I'm standing here today to tell you that story gives me a glimpse of what it must have been like for God to give up his son for me. You see, I was that father, and your pastor is my son's friend. Would you lay your life down for Jesus? Would you do what that man did? We need revival today. Oh, that God would revive his work in the midst of the years, that God would revive us, and that God would revive me and you, so that when Jesus says, will you lay down your life for me, we say, yes, by the grace of God, I would, and then we would do it unashamedly, bearing witness of him every day of our life. We hope this week's message was a great blessing to you and that you can apply this message throughout this next week. 
Here at Canada National Bible Hour, our concerns are to make sure that everyone listening to this broadcast is a true believer in Jesus Christ. And that the gospel is very clear. But God made provision for this, and he sent the best gift he has is Jesus Christ. Jesus became a babe in the manger's virgin born, he went to the cross and thought about you for your sins and took those sins on his own body, that cross paid the death that you needed to pay for your sins, but he took our place that day. If you have faith, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved as an act of faith. You need to pray now and ask God to come into your life, pray this sincerely, pray, he will do that. Also, we want you to write in this month to get the booklet When Is It Right to Die? This booklet covers many of the end-of-life questions, and we wish you to get your copy of this booklet. It is essential for you to read and share with your loved ones. Please write Mission Go our Box 1210 Street Catharines Ontario L2 or 787 or in the United States a Box 2010 Buffalo New York 14231. You can also hear past broadcasts on our website which is missiongo.org-radio. That's m-i-s-s-i-o-n-go.org-d-a-s-radio. If you do this, you'll be able to get all the broadcasts. Thanks for listening today. We continue blessing on you throughout this next week and please, the Bible teaches that all of us come short of the glory of God. Because of that, we are not eligible to be in God's presence because He is a holy God.